Hey, you looking for someone to do your social media graphics or promote something and you have no idea how to do it or where to start? Hit up Synergy Lane Consulting. They specialize in working with small businesses and solo entrepreneurs with organizational development, copy editing, and social media management, including content creation. So if you could check out all my social media pages and you can see some of the awesome work she does to help promote the Daddy Ain't Dead podcast. So check out Synergy Lane Consulting on Twitter at Synergy Lane. That's S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y. L-A-I-N-E. Or you can hit them up on email at info at synergylane.com. That ain't dead podcast. Give me my flowers. We're fathers. We're laughing and conversing with each other. Do 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 do. Give me my flowers. That ain't dead podcast. This is the Daddy Ain't Dead Podcast. Whereas one dad willing enough to spread a message of appreciating dads around the world in real time instead of when they are dead. I'll be conversing with another great dad today about wonderful things that dads go through and all the things that dads do. We're going to make sure we give each other our flowers and also just have a great conversation for everybody to enjoy. Give me my flowers. Welcome to the Daddy Ain't Dead podcast. Daddy ain't dead. Give me my flowers. My name is uh, John, Mr. Extraordinaire Rogers. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, got, I got two queens living in my house, a big one and a little one. I'll uh, be married, what, 11 years this, this August, August 2019. Uh, oh, I got a three-year-old going on 30. <laughs> let, let her tell you her age, and she'll probably say that. Um, yeah, we got we got a big move coming up. We're gonna relocate once again to Atlanta uh, here coming uh-huh. up this this month. Um, okay, excited about that. You know, you know, I'm excited. This is Daddy's. Uh, this is Daddy's uh, podcast. I'm excited about free babysitters from family. <laughs> <laughs> that is so crucial, man. Like yes. we don't talk about that. Like you plan for date night. Look, okay. I'm sorry. This is the intro. Uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, well, I'm excited about that. Um, finally, get to after 12 years of being away in the military, to be close to at least one side of the family. So that's gonna be good for the family and for my daughter, right. and, you know, raising her in that way. And so you was you were in the Air Force, which is the the best force, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Just fly fighting wearing. Same as plug right there. You know what I'm saying? Letting it be clear, man. Ain't nothing better than the Air Force. <laughs> and that's coming from a civilian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> life. You know, but uh, so married going on eleven years, uh, three year old daughter, mm-hmm. and I remember the days. Um, we talked about this earlier. I remember the days when you guys only had the dog <laughs> as your family, and guys, I would tell you, John is. One of the youngest old people I know. <laughs> I'm not old, I'm seasoned, man. I'm seasoned. <laughs> when I say that, John, what are you? You just turned 30, didn't you? Yep, yep. 31 this summer. See, just turned it. Um, so I would say we met back in what, 2014, 15, 14? No, no, 20, 2012. Oh, I'm tripping. 12. Yeah. Yeah, 2012. Yeah. Oh, man. So, that's awesome. So I was 23, geez. 
<laughs> exactly. So <laughs> even at that time, you were young, mm-hmm. and but you have an old spirit. And I always laughed about like, man, John is such a uh, an old man. Like I always <laughs> just say that because you were, you were very wise beyond your years. Um, and and that is something I appreciate about you, and that everybody's gonna um, I think gonna benefit from with this episode. Um, you were de- definitely one of the um, top people I wanted to interview, or I won't say interview, converse with um, mm-hmm. on this show, just because you're such a dynamic uh, person, dynamic personality. Um, you got so many different things going on. Um, and I've, I've known that since I met you, I'm like, this dude is into everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm like, and so to see you now, um, as a father, um, you know, cause I met you as just a, a, a husband, you know, you were just a husband, you were a man of God first, you know, but you were a husband and, and an active duty person and, and all that stuff. And, um, now to see you as a father, it's, I, I love seeing it. And so I definitely had to get you, um, on the show. So we talked about your current situation. Um, so tell me a little bit about um, how did your dad uh, help raise you? Well, my dad, dad, John Laverne Sr., uh, dad wasn't around, not much at all. Um, let's see, some of my earliest memories, matter of fact, my, the first memory of him was when I was in kindergarten. And uh, he came to came to our house, and uh, he probably gave me like um, uh, birthday money or holiday card or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember um, him. I remember being in kindergarten because we used to live right across the street from my kindergarten school, and then uh, we moved thereafter. Um, and then after that, I, it was very spotty. So that was my first real memory of him. And next time I saw him was uh, he came surprised me actually for my fifth grade uh, graduation. Uh, so, you know, that's that's five years of time going by right there. Mom playing dual role, sisters playing dual roles, and um, especially my middle sister, man, we always butt heads. She was like, she was like the daddy of the house, man. <laughs> mean, got an attitude, and, you know, always, she went to the army. That probably explains it, but, you know, always <laughs> like, always like checking up on people and making sure things are done and, you know, stuff like that. Um, and actually we don't, we don't have that many other men in, uh, in my family. I got five aunts. My gra- my grandmother had six daughters. Wow. Um, and so, you know, a couple, couple aunts, you know, and their husband, that was probably, you know, the only close male role model I had in my life. And then a couple older cousins that, you know, just wasn't, wasn't doing right necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so my second memory of my dad was he, he surprised me, which was, was, it was a good day, fifth grade graduation. And then after that, he came back around for the summer of t- 2001. So I was 14 years old the next time I saw my dad. And wow. Yeah, yeah. So, so from, from kindergarten to f- the age 14, you did not see your father? Kindergarten to fifth grade, fifth grade graduation. Okay. Um, and then, and then after that was, uh, I was 14, summer, summer 2001. Oh, summer so, 2002, I'm sorry, I was 14. So, so three times in 14 years. Yes, yes. Now, that obviously seems like 
what it, it's called it what it is, you know, that that's that's terrible, you know, on the impact of a, you know, of a of your son's life and let alone your child, but particularly your son. And so what I would say is that that summer, which was the last time I had the last time I spent time with him, that was amazing. Hands mm. down, hands down the best time I had with, with my dad. So he was a car mechanic by trade. He had it back back in the day, um, him and my mom met and stuff like that. He has own has his own uh, business, has his own um, car mechanic shop. Um, they got caught up with getting hooked on drugs in the '80s, and you know the crack epidemic. You know back then, mm-hmm. so he was a car mechanic by trade. You know, always fixed cars and stuff like that. And so that summer, which was really really man, that was an awesome time, man. For the two months, yeah, pretty much from June to July. It was like almost every day with him. Um, he had sort of got on his foot, on his feet. He was on some kind of some kind of program with the uh, Salvation Army mm-hmm. um, to where he worked out a deal. He fixed the cars that that were donated to the Salvation Army, and you know, Salvation Army would try to sell them for a profit. Um, okay. So he worked on that side of the spectrum, and they provide and in exchange they provided him housing. So he had a, like a little room you know, free meal, you know, a couple meals, uh, free meals a day. And so mm-hmm. well, that summer, that's what I spent with him. Um, every, every day, like I said, every day, all day, you know, I'm helping him fix cars and, you know, go around town and fixing other people's cars. So that was, that was, that was a really good time, man. I'll never forget that time. That's crazy. Like, you know, <clears throat> to hear a story like that, similar, um, to mine and the lack thereof, you know, is is you always uh and this is why you know we like you said before when we were when we were offline talking uh yesterday um about being present in mm-hmm. your children's lives and it's sad that you can only pull from like one time frame yeah and say that was the best time I had with my father with my dad you know what i'm saying and we as dads, we have to look at every available time that we can provide memories for our children mm-hmm. that um, don't involve us being away from them. You get That's what I'm saying? Right. It's like right now, because everybody knows I'm, I'm not currently in the same house with my family. That's all my kids talk about right now. When I do talk to them, you know, via um, video calls and tell and, and cell phone calls, is that daddy, when when you coming back, we miss you, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, this is killing me. So I I just it always is um interesting, I would say, to hear from from dads like you who have went through similar situations and how you navigated those waters. Um, but I, yeah. I challenge dads out there right now is um, make sure our, our generation of kids don't have these stories. You know, um, I don't want my children, my, my daughter, my, my boys, I don't want them to be able to go back into memory banks and be like, <laughs> and have these stories. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you just got to be present um for for our kids as dads because you know you can be a father you know by by just natural this is what god created 
you know us for is to be we could be fathers that way but you could, to be a dad you got to put it in work and you know that's that's really a choice that we have to make um for for our families in general um cuz yeah. being a dad is also effectively helping you be a better man um because the moment my daughter was born she changed my life completely cuz i had to live for something i had to live through her Mm-hmm. Or, and live for her too. So, um, and then of course those crazy boys, <laughs> they <laughs> they got me doing the most. So, um, but so did do you think that um, in general, do you think that your your dad not being there help you um, grow or or mold you into the the dad and the man you are today? Yeah, his his presence or lack thereof, uh, was, was pivotal in me scouring my, my world and, and my, my available options, so to speak, and to kind of a la carte and, and pick and choose how I wanted to build myself up and how I wanted to create the, you know, the father in me, you know, first off the husband in me, um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, and then, then the father in me, you know, some years later, so it it was pivotal, uh, and it's interesting. It's, I don't know. It, it kind of seems like when I think about this, um, you know, kind of like natural selection, or you know, like out in the wild, and you know, like the animal kingdom is what I'm trying to say. Right. Whereas you know, the the, the fathers, the male figures, they they let their kids go, you know, almost immediately. <laughs> you got to fend for yourself, and you know, throw them out into the woods, so to speak. And that's something pivotal about that that's something like rare and unique about you know the, like the animal kingdom and you know the kids been been sent out the children been sent out and they find their own way you know yeah. all on their own you know with you know slight guidance or you know a, a blind guidance so to speak you know, like they don't know where where the parent is but you know it's, it's close by um and you you touched on a good part about that that presence man because that was actually the, that was the last time I saw my dad because the following year, the following summer, um, that's when he, he passed away. So I was 15 when he passed away in uh, tw- uh, 2003, and it was actually on uh, July 4th, July 4th that morning. And so, um, you know, that's that. I think later in 2002, uh, he got like caught up again, and he got you know put in prison, and uh, so he ended up apparently having a heart attack in jail and, you know, try to rush to the hospital and stuff like that. And, you know, he ended up passing, but he passed away on July 4th, which is two weeks before my birthday on July 18th. Wow. So as, as a kid, you know, as a teenager, I'll never forget like my, my aunt, my, my youngest auntie, she came to the house and she actually broke the news. Now she is a woman. <laughs> I love her to death. She has no tact. So, <laughs> here, <laughs> so, she and she's a fast talker, man, fast mover, drives fast, like the whole nine. And so she whipped up in the front yard, man, because I was on my bike. I was on my bike, you know, it's fourth of July. I'm getting ready to, you know, get pop firecrackers and stuff like that with, you know, friends and family and stuff like that later in the day, of course. So mm-hmm. she, yeah, she she pulled up real fast to the driveway and you know, she just walked up to me, you know, hey nephew. And you know, hey auntie, how you doing? Whatever. And she's like, uh, yeah, I just found out your daddy did. Like, what? Jesus. Like what? What you what do you what you mean? 
you know, obviously I'm looking forward to, I have no contact, you know, he never left, you know, address or phone number or nothing like that. So, you know, I immediately took off on my bike and I don't think I came back to like later that night. And I, to this day, I still don't remember where I went. That's Lord have, have mercy. Where I went. So now, you know, the 4th of July is always, uh, you know, some, some thoughts running into my mind, especially, you know, as I wake up that day, uh, especially now being a father and, you know, some of the things I've accomplished and experienced, obviously I would like to, you know, share it, share it with him. Um, right. So that's always, uh, what the whole month in, in general, you know, 4th of July is when he passed and then two weeks later is my birthday. You know, I always have a couple of thoughts that, uh, you know, I need some space pretty much, you know, I tell the wife. So, uh, yeah, that's there's a uh, it was a real pivotal summer, man. You know, we I could talk talk about some things that I'll never forget. He taught me, um, and so I guess I last I'll bring it back around to your point of being present. I still remember the things that he taught me during that summer. So that was his his best effort to be present, deliberate, you know, in my life. It just right. that you know, the drugs and lifestyle came back around. And. <clears throat> Same, I, I literally got the same. I'm, I'm sounding like Mr. Me Too right now. And is that, <laughs> and, and when I say Me Too, is like, when I hear you talk about your stuff, it's like I have the same, same story. Like, my dad was in and out because he was, you know, struggling with drug addiction, you know, crack cocaine, in and out of prison um, and whatnot. And, you know, I, I'm very open and candid about talking about that. Um, with anybody who asks, you know, and because <laughs> it's always shocking to people, of course, because they see, you know, a person like you, a person like me, so so well-rounded, um, so well-adjusted, you know, successful um, in our careers and, and life in general, happy, yeah. you know, and they're like, wow, you, you didn't have your dad, you went through all of this and this, that, and the other, and I'm like, you know, that's nothing but God, that's first of all, oh, but, yeah. um, you know, but it's also just perseverance. And, you know, it also speaks to the women in our life. Um, mm -hmm. Like how you spoke about your sisters and stuff. I had my grandma, I had my, um, my aunts who, who pretty much raised me too, along with my uncles. Um, I did have my two uncles that helped raise me somewhat, um, but th there was no men, you know, and, and it's sad to say, um, but that's literally the basis of, why <clears throat> I started this podcast because us as one as black men, we're so afflicted with so many different things. Um, and one of them is, is, is routinely being raised by women. Yeah. Um, predominantly. Yeah. Like it, pre yes, predominantly. And everything we do, if you think about it from, from the time you're born, the nurses at the hospital, you know, you're talking about the women in your life that, you know, because men, you know, back in those days were vacating the premises, you know, for whatever reasons. And then you're talking about teachers and, and everything else. It was mainly women teachers in our lives. And so every aspect of your life when you're growing up is really ran by women. And um, you don't realize that really until you get a little older, maybe, um, and start to evaluate some of some of your life choices and stuff. But um, the men are just were were just almost non-existent, you know, uh, and so I always think that's interesting um, how men like us grow up are are secure in a lot of things we do, confident, um, but we also have our struggles, you yes, know, as absolutely. as as we 
get older. And one of the things I know we struggle with is expressing ourselves when we're going through things mentally. Yeah. And, and mental health being this month is uh, Men's Mental Health Month, which a lot of people don't know is also one of the problems. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that this month is, is Men's Mental Health Month. Um, is we need support and care and someone to talk to also. Like we always get looked at as, you know, men are supposed to be strong and and confident and, you know, we provide, you know, but and then you look at women, they say, you know, and this is all stereotypical stuff, is, you know, women are the sensitive, nurturing, caring ones. And, you know, yeah. they're the ones who, you know, need to be listened to and talked to. And and it's definitely, it, this is a two-way street. You know, dads definitely need that, that support too when it comes to mental health um, because we struggle with a lot of things. And um, sometimes it falls on deaf ears or it doesn't fall on ears at all because of some stigmas of, you know, being labeled soft, or too emotional. Yeah, um, not man enough. Not man enough, you know, to when you when you go out there and you say, hey, you know, hey friends, hey family, hey, hey wife, I am struggling. I'm I'm mentally struggling. I'm depressed or I'm yeah. feeling some type of way about this. Um and it's because um people do react that way. Um Yeah. And that that kind of you know kind of kind of scores you a little bit you know mm -hmm. like it, it, it deters you away from considering that as an option in the future when you really need it right um, that's something fascinating that I, I always one probably definitely when I came into a, a state of maturity and you know just solidified and you know who I am as a person as a human being mm -hmm. um, whereas how God made me you know like when like like a female, you know, we've mm -hmm. got so many similarities, and one of them are emotions. You mean right. so the persona is that we think and we obviously believe it because we wear like a badge of honor almost that we don't have emotions. Like what did they do that at? Did God like make <laughs> you separately or something? You know, right. did, he, did he run out of the season all when he was making you or something? <laughs> no. What do you mean? It, it's just that it's underdeveloped. You right. know. It's it's not, you know, what you pay attention to, you get, you know, that becomes your reality. You're not paying attention to it. It's not being role model, you know, in front of you. You don't have anything to, you can't attach yourself to it. Uh, but that's that's one little facet, you know, one little statement that I probably had in my head for, you know, eight years now. It's like we really think, and it really came down to, um, I was a, a resiliency instructor, some like additional duty I did while mm -hmm. I was in the, in the military. And so, you know, that's a lot about, you know, mental health and, you know, guys stressing at work. And so when some of my, my airmen, you know, my, some of my subordinates and I can see, you know, the distress the on their face, uh, whether they got a young marriage or, you know, possibly been picked on and stuff like that at work. I, that was my chance. That was like one of the first times, first opportunities I had to try to relay that message. We are humans. We literally have emotions. So. Right we need to express them. We need to develop them. You need to understand them, you know, because they, they will help you. They will help, um, like, uh, uh, beautify your life. 
you know, and I'm not saying that word to be weak or, or anything like that, but it helps like put like a, a clearer vision on life. If I'm able to tap into my emotions for my three-year-old daughter, you know, she's going to see a different side of me. She's going to see deeper in it. And of course, the same with my wife. If I'm able to tap into my emotions, you know, she might have said a joke in public, which hurt my feelings. Well, right. you know, if I, if I don't literally say, hey, that hurt my feelings, you know, the, the, the effects of me sharing that would diminish. If I say, hey, I ain't like that, and then that's it, you know, the effectiveness goes down. But when I tell my wife, hey, that hurt my feelings because it made me feel like yada, 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 you know what I mean? Like, you know, it, it intensifies the moment and it brings clarity to where she won't do that again. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, we, we definitely need to, we definitely need to understand, um, you know, what we have in, in our possession as, you know, as men and, um, you know, we're on this earth too, just like women. Uh, they got that persona, of course, but we, we have an aspect of that as well. We need to pay attention to. And, you know, we'll get into it, but I, I want to say, you know, it's super important for all the, the guys and, and the women that are potentially out here listening to this episode is, you know, mental health really is not a joke. And I think more people should take it more serious, especially in our community. And I mean, the African-American community is mm -hmm. that it's not a... <clears throat> it's not a sign of weakness that you seek out professional help in the many ways that it's available to you. There's, there's counselors, there's, I mean, for one, you can start at home, first of all, with praying, but you know, for people who need to reach out to, you know, a physical being a professional. Um, yeah. Yeah. And a professional, you know, there's counselors, there's, you know, health physicians, mental health physicians that you can see, um, if, if you're in the military, which I have a lot of friends who are in the military, you have your MFLAX, which are your military and family life consultants um, that are on base at every base. Every um, they base. have them. Every branch. Um, yep, every branch, every base. So um, you you can go seek these people out. And really, for the, from at least my understanding, that stuff is free, yes, especially yes. For military members. Yeah, um, uh, militaryonesource.com. Uh, mm -hmm. they, they also have lots of free stuff for, for the actual military member, whether you're, you know, active duty or you're a veteran and for the family members as well. Right. And yeah. I, I know I can speak for the civilian side. Um, they also have free services um, called the EAP, which is the Employee Assistant Program. I think that's what it stands for. Yeah, but yeah. It is EAP that you have on every base. And I know for a fact that you can get six free sessions um, from a licensed professional um, for any mental health issues or struggles. And, you're and during work on. hours too, right? Yes. Yes. So you can also get paid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why are you going to seek this help? So, I mean, yeah. if you're struggling. Yeah, and, and on, that, on that tip too, um, I really like how uh, Charlemagne, Charlemagne the God has, Yes. made it you know like a, a regular part of the conversation whereas he openly says i go to my therapist every friday you know every friday i need to vent now he you know, of course you know we we can make that we can i can i can identify easily the the separation between him and me whereas you know he's a celebrity you know media person etc but the root of the matter is still there you know the foundation right. of it is is still there the importance of it is still there um because when I was depressed, you know, for well over a year, 
I, it, I, I kept it all bottled in thinking that I could do it myself. And it's, it's a crazy, man, it's, it's a really phenomenal uh, mental space to be in, especially for, for a thinker like myself, very intuitive thinker, um, deep reflective thinker, man. I'm, I, I think, I literally think before I speak, man. So every, every time me and my wife, whether it's a dispute, we nagging or just any old conversation, when I get quiet, it, it comes off as I'm not intelligent. But I am literally thinking like I, I think <laughs> I think before I speak so much so that I know which words I'm going to say when I'm having a conversation with somebody. <laughs> this <laughs> is that true. They could get me in trouble because, you know, <laughs> you know, analysis paralysis and, you know, just overthinking things. But um, in, in, that, in that dark time I was in, um, I, I would kind of visit this like space in my mind, uh, which is the depression, but I would visit it. Um, and, and leave it unchecked, but I, I, I allowed it to create real estate in my mind. And it had like a, a physical place. And I know it's run, it's run down, I know it's watered down, but people say that, you know, when you're depressed, it feels like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. That mm -hmm. is absolutely 100% correct. Like, I really feel like I was squatting some front squat. Uh, uh, I really felt just an insane amount, unbearable amount of weight all throughout the day, man. You know, and, and it was, it, it obviously became to a point where, you know, I just couldn't do it anymore. I just finally realized all my little tricks I thought I'd do, you know, it didn't work out into, you know, I actually had to use one of those resources we talked about, uh, the, the vet mm -hmm. crisis line. Um, wow. Called, called the lady after so many times, man, my wife, you know, encouraging me, still small voice encouraging me. And then sometimes she was much louder and, and emphatic. <laughs> uh, but she left. I think they went to Atlanta that weekend when I decided to call because I just, I just needed, you know, complete space. And man, I called the lady, uh, called the hotline, you know, got connected to, um, you know, a, a, a person, an agent. And um, man, I cried. I think that was probably the first time I cried in I don't know how long, years. Wow, wow. And he, he, of course, she was professional and you know, she was just, I just needed her ear pretty much. Yeah. And, um, you know, follow-ups um, with appointments and, you know, uh, consultations, stuff like that with a psychiatrist and psychologist, man. Um, even when I was meeting with those, when I went to the hospital, man, when I went to the VA, that was like a whole nother, like, blaze. It's like, it set off in, inside of me that I didn't like because mm -hmm. you go to the hospital when you're sick. Well, I didn't want to accept that I was sick. Ah, yeah. I didn't want to accept that I, I needed help. Like I, I literally needed help. I it had been eight, nine, ten months of this crazy, just weird feeling that I never happened before. And you yeah. know, we go, we go back. You know, we have yes. talking. You know, a couple of years. But when when the friendship and the connection is strong, when we do connect, it's like we never left. Right. Even at that young age, you know, when we first met, twenty two, twenty three. You know, that was the first time I was I was preaching like Sunday morning sermons, man. Yes, yes, yeah. you were. <laughs> <laughs> Years later, I'm at the lowest point of my life, man, and um, I just needed, I, I needed open ear. I just needed somebody, you know, not judgmental. I didn't, I, what I wanted, what I preferred was not to have a pass with this, in this, with this individual. Yes. And um, so I called the vet line, I think probably like two days later, I had an appointment with a, a psychologist, and uh, this lady, 
man, I don't know what it was with her office, but I, I sat down and like 60 seconds later, I'm boohooing again. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so good because yeah. I needed that. You know, that was a, I was, there was a physical release and it was yeah. a spiritual release. It was an emotional release, man. It was the whole nine. And I can't even remember. I mean, she was just like getting basic information and, you know, I just, man, the tears just start coming. It was like, oh my God, I need help. Um, yeah. And so, uh, man, that was, that was a really, really pivotal time in my life um, to, to take a step back and you know, I kind of get off my high horse or, you know, whatever I had built myself up to be, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, definitely sat me down and, you know, I definitely look at things much, much, much differently now. And, and so, I'm glad you talked about, you know, taking a certain course of action that was comfortable for you and, and, and in your time. You know, um, I think a lot of guys dropped the ball in that section, and me, myself included, um, because I haven't uh, sought out the, the real help that I know I need. Mm -hmm. um, talking to somebody like that, and I, I keep pushing it off, pushing it off. Um, and... Every, I think every person, every man too, let me just retract a little bit. Um, every, every man that might be going through something, it's different levels to it, right? Yeah. And whereas you got to a point where, you know what, I'm going to go seek out this professional help. But you also, it was a different level for you because you said, you know, you had to have it in a sense your way. Like you needed to be comfortable, somebody that didn't have a past with you. And that part stuck out to me because you, when you talk to somebody who you have a past with about certain things, they think they're going to talk to you and give you the best advice for you when it's really the best advice for them. Mm. Like a and, mirror. They're looking at yeah. themselves. And, and, you know, and they think – Oh, I, I know this person. Okay, I know Anthony or I know John. And so I'm going to say what I think is going to make him happy or make him feel good at that moment to help him through it. Now, sometimes that'll work. Sometimes yeah. it doesn't. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I, I do believe you need somebody that's impartial that does not have a pass with you because they're going to give you the real deal, raw, professional mm -hmm. counseling that you need. Um, we all have that friend we bounce stuff off or your spouse or um, whoever it may be that you connect with in that way. But I think it's just truly important that any man um, that is struggling, any dad that's struggling with you know, mental health issues, you do go seek out that professional help um, to, to get that, that true undivided attention, I guess, um, from somebody who, if, if you just want to go in there and cry, yeah. you want to know get something off your chest um if you want somebody to actually sit down and help you um through your times um i know i need to do that uh, i've been saying it for years i've been telling jackie <laughs> for years man i need to go see uh you know go to the eap and get me use my six counseling sessions um and whatnot you know life has always gotten in the way of me doing that i gotta stop making that excuse um because i am looking for that avenue to just talk to somebody um and and get some things off my chest off and you know the lord the lord is always funny i always say he has a great sense of humor mm -hmm. um he puts things kind of in my life to say not yet you know and that's also why i haven't went yet he's mm -hmm. he's put the seed there to say 
it's out there, but I, I he hasn't put me there yet because I always feel like he'll he'll lead me right to it eventually when I need to go in and see somebody. And I know, man, being over in Korea, when I was over there, it was it was depressing over there <laughs> in the sense of um, I was so far away from my family, um, not being able to talk to my family, my best friend and and stuff like I wanted to because we were um, like a half a day in front of everybody. So yeah. when when it would be, you know, eight, eight o'clock in the morning here it was eight o'clock at night in the United States. So I couldn't really talk to anybody or get on the same schedule as most people. So the people that I was talking to and venting to and getting stuff off my chest, I wasn't able to do that all the time. And that became extremely frustrating for me mentally, um, not being able to talk to somebody. So also I will echo to people who are listening, who you you might have a friend who's struggling um, or you know that likes to talk and communicate like I do. <laughs> um, yeah reach out to your people, reach out to your strong friends. Like they say, the people that's always, you know, smiling, laughing, um, always helping somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Always helping somebody else, man. Y'all need to watch for them. Take care of those people. Yeah. yeah so it's two parts in what you're saying. Um, I, what I found the most valuable was, um, there's an obvious understanding that, you know, you whether it's close friends, your family, you know, spouses, stuff like that. They, they obviously love you and care for you and your life and your state that you're in. And, you know, if you're depressed, but what's, what's uh, quite frankly, more valuable than that little facet, right. Uh, is when you, when you go to somebody who's impartial, you know, like a professional is mm -hmm. so, so the advice that a family member will give you, they, they're drawing and they're trying to speak to who you was from the past mm. you and your good, good spirits, good health, good mental state, et cetera. Whereas if you go to somebody, you know, professional, who, somebody who's impartial, et cetera, they're speaking to you the now. And so that's yeah. why for me as a, as a thinker, when I, you know, my wife, man, you know, my wife, she's bubbly, she's loving, <laughs> um, she's kind, she's witty with her words. Like, she, you know, she's, she spoke a lot of good things to me and it was right. almost as, as if, when I went to the, when I, when I would go to my, my uh, therapy, the psychologist would be saying almost the same thing, but it's more meaningful hearing from that person because they're speaking to the John of that day, which that right. John of that day was hurting. The John of that day was depressed and can't figure out like how in the world. And it, that was, that's something that that was a common phrase. I kept telling my wife was like, I literally don't know how I got here. Cause I'm a thinker. <laughs> I, I plan. Right. right. I, I, you know, I, I plan things out to the best of my ability. You know, God orders your steps. You know, we're planners. So I take man, I took that and I ran with it. I read that verse 15 years ago. I was like, all right, I'm a plan. I can't plan. I'm, I'm a plan. My master's plan <laughs> as much as I could. And I just I just could not figure out. And that's what took so many months. I'm being honest, man. For me, it took so many months for me to seek help because I'm trying to figure out how did I get here? Right. How, how did I get here? You know, I'm reflecting on all those accomplishments, you know, that I did um, beforehand, but that was almost null and void and irrelevant because the state I'm in now. And so, mm -hmm. you know, when you get these little inclinations, man, talking to you and your audience, when you get those little feelings, you know, take note of it. Um, mm -hmm. But also consider that, you know, when, <laughs> when you're driving your car and you hear something funny, 
you know, you, you, you shouldn't, I'll say that we do it. You know, you, you run your gas tank too. It's almost, <laughs> but when you hear something funny with your car, it behooves you to keep going to ignore it. It's right. there for a reason. Those signs, you know, those little uh, indications of a breakdown, et cetera. That's a, that's a part of the mechanic inside of me, you know, stepping out there. Um, don't ignore that. And, you know, that went against everything, man. You know, I was fortunate enough, God bless me to, like I said, you know, have those, um, those times where I, I, I respected so heavily that pulpit and, you know, was able to speak from it as best as I could at that young age. Um, mm-hmm. Especially the 10 years being an airplane mechanic in Air Force, man, we do preventative maintenance out the a-hole, man. You know, right. like, and I didn't do any of that. I didn't apply any of that. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah. it, it took so much time, so many months, man, so much pain I, and anguish I put myself through because I'm thinking it, you know, I'm just thinking about it as opposed to, all right, this ain't right. This, this ain't what's up right here. You know, my, my, my vibes and my, my energy and my interaction with, with my wife, with coworkers, with, you know, with my daughter, this, this not, this not, I don't like this. I need to go get it. Yeah. And, you know, I think just to reference how you said about when you hear something with your car and, and you, when you know something's wrong, the reason you ignore it is because you realize it's an inconvenience. Mm. And that's the same thing with, with your mental health is that you, you do look at it initially like this is an inconvenience for me. I'm going to ignore it. I, I'm going to press through. You know, I'm going to just everything will get better. That's what we always think. We, yeah. we just think, especially as men, I know for me, especially I've always thought, uh, you know what, I'm just, it'll get better. I, I'm going to, you know, consume myself with, with my family or reading or TV or sports or, you know, anything work, you know, yeah. and think it'll go away, but it still manifests itself. <laughs> it still gets in there some way dealing with, with, um, you know, things like depression. I know for me, I, I definitely went through a, a bout of, with depression mm-hmm. um, where it, it was, and even my wife called me out on it. It was just, I was coming home from work, man, and I was, I was in my cell phone. I wasn't talking to people. I, was, I mean, I wasn't talking to the kids. I wasn't talking to her. I would, you know, go isolate myself a lot um, and didn't even realize it. And, and 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 I think sometimes you be in your own world, yeah, and you you manipulate yourself, yeah, <laughs> to to think uh, everything you're doing is okay and it's all right, um, because you you know however you want to deal with it in different processes, um, but I challenge all guys out there, man, honestly, um, talk to somebody, be real open, um, go seek the professionals, cause. What what you don't want to happen is, you know, it, that gets so bad to where, you know, suicide is an option for you, you know, or anything else like that. And I think I, I think I saw a statistic, man. It's like one in five men, you know, commit suicide. And mm-hmm. I think it's, we lose um, we lose a man a minute to suicide. Ooh. That's insane. It's real, man. <laughs> That's insane. Um, a man a minute to suicide. So I think yeah. it's you not know, looking up the stat now. It's six out of ten. Six out of ten men commit suicide. Man, 
And it's really because guys are out here trying to tough it out, struggling alone, and they don't understand um, how to reach out and get that help mentally. Yeah. You know, friends, family, people you work with, you know, I mean, anybody. Just some, some, you got to talk to somebody, talk to somebody. But it's also up to the people we, we love and care about to also pay attention to us um, mm-hmm. when we're going through our things. Luckily enough, I have a wife that is very in tune to me and, you know, kind of checked me, you know, um, and, and really being my biggest supporter and saying, you know, you're better than this and, and you definitely can go seek the help. And, you know, and saying, you know, I don't, I don't think less of you as a man, as a husband, that you're going through this. If you go through, go get help. Yeah. Yes. And that you go get help because, you know, she, she want the Anthony, the husband that she knows and loves. And so when, when you go through that and, you know, that's a little spark when you, again, getting your flowers, when your, when your, (laughs) when your spouse is speaking into you, um, that's, that's therapy in itself. Um, and a lot yes, of a lot of learn to receive it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, and that's the other my, part. Yeah, because mine spoke verbatim, the exact same verbatim thing. And you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Once I was, mm-hmm. you know, starting to come over it, and you know, get up from out on the it's uh, it's it's weight. Uh, I realized, like I said, you know, the, <laughs> some of the stuff my wife was saying, and you know, psychiatrists were saying. I had two of them: a psychiatrist and a psychologist. Um, it's like, man, you know what? I think my wife said that a couple weeks ago. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just that it been impartiality and different setting and different moods and different location. And, and, it, it, and so much so for me, I, I, I never specifically told her. So she would ask me, you know, how, how was today's, you know, visit go? And, you know, mm-hmm. give it a run of the mill. It was good. You know, some highlights and stuff like that. But I definitely put off a vibe of, I don't want to talk about this with you. Mm. And so, you know, just that escalated it even more because it distanced her. And, you know, at this point, you know, that was, that was when I just couldn't take it anymore. And obviously I'm seeking help, but it was, I was still trying to hold on to something, you know, this, this persona of, you know, I'm your shield, I'm your strength. You know, you've seen me at some pretty high moments in my career and, you know, spiritually and, you know, just in life in general. And here I am, because you, you, yeah, and I'm thinking of this because when uh, Jackie told you, I will not think of less of you as a man, as a husband. I will not, I will not, and will not. And it, hearing that from her, I knew it was good. I knew it was coming from a good place, but mm-hmm. I just wasn't ready to receive it yet. Mm. I just, I just wasn't because it, it was repeated, you know, and emphasized. <laughs> she tried to say it in a different way. And right. obviously I didn't heed it. You know, I, I needed to, I guess, be the hard head man that got me into this place and like, figure, figure, mm-hmm. figure a way to get out of it uh, myself. Uh, but yeah, she was, she was there all along, man, the whole way. And that's great to hear. And so in, in all, I think <clears throat> when we're talking about mental health for, for dads and men in general, um, is one, guys, you know, don't be afraid to, to speak about your issues and what you're going through. Also, don't be afraid to go out and seek professional help. Um, sometimes, you know, just the, the, the friends and family ain't going to cut it, you know. <laughs> and we have to be 
man enough <laughs> to <laughs> reach out, you know, and, and do those things. And because ultimately it's, it's helping you um, be a better dad, be a better husband, be, just be a better man in general um, for your family. Because uh, without you in the right space mentally, um, you're you're just a detriment to your family and and what you're doing. Because um, your kids, whether they're young, whether they're old, they're affected by your mental state. Because I'm pretty sure you can think about um, when you go home each day and you greet your family, and the mood you're in sets mm-hmm. the mood for the house. Oh yeah, oh yeah, um, dude. I- <laughs> So I, I never liked the aspect of taking the medicine. So mm-hmm. I was prescribed depression medicine. And uh, I, it was, uh, so another little small caveat, I, I never, yeah. I haven't figured, I haven't still grasped the moment of how psychiatry is trying to tie any of this to any form of PTSD that I experience. I still, to this day, I will not, subconsciously now, will not sort of accept that label. Yet I, you know, I, obviously I, I got it. I got a doctor, you know, several several visits over the last year. It's it's all the remnants of it, uh, whether you like it or not, whether you accept it or not. So um, so anyhow, I'll back to it. Um, the medication. So you talk about, you know, setting the tone and stuff like that when you walk in the house. Um, that medicine is strong. Let me tell right. you. And so and what, that. Uh, let me ask, what what was it that the doctor prescribed you with? So the first one was, um, oh man, I, I can't even like reenact this moment here. It's funny now, hindsight's <laughs> twenty twenty. I'm over it. Uh, but so the first psychiatrist, uh, so the way the VA does it when you're, I guess, in a smaller city market or whatever, like uh, Savannah is, and he. So first off, our, our first appointment was a, um, it was a video conference. So mm-hmm. here I am in a small room, only a computer, no pictures, you know, you know no windows, nothing. And, you know, within the first 30 seconds, all right, tell me what's, what's wrong. What? Like, you know, <laughs> man, I had some, I had, man, that comment card. Whew. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was that, that visit, that first, very first one, he prescribed uh, Zoloft. So he prescribed okay. Zoloft, you know, gave me the recommended doses or whatever. And I'm coming from, hey, I'm a thinker. I already know that's not sitting well in my spirit but I'm trying to tie in. I need physical help. You know, I know God is there. I know my faith is there to pick me up. Um, but you know, I, I need, I want to try to listen to the doctor and then, you know, combine it pretty much. Um, and so, um, the Zoloft was way too strong for me. And so you talking okay. back to setting the mood, you know, I, I come in the house literally like a zombie and still mm-hmm. working and still having, which I guess we're going to talk about it later, but still having a, uh, had a full time or Amazon business at that time. Wow. Like, like nine staff members, man. Nine virtual assistants. They lived in the Philippines. So, cool. yeah, so, so Zoloft, that, that's a beast for me. Yeah. And then um, I had asked to, you know, get, get something else that's a little less powerful, so to speak. And that was, uh, I saw a second form of medication I had was uh, Leprexa. Leprexa, Le- Lexapro, that's what it is. Okay. And so, um, so yeah, back to that first visit. Um, so first, no, no disrespect to this race, but he happened to be Indian. And so okay. they are way more, uh, cold hearted and just gave me the cold shoulder the first <laughs> visit. I'm like, so no, man, no I don't know. Your, 
Huh? No bedside manners. No, man. He just jumped right into it. I'm like, man, uh, you don't you don't understand why I understand now, hindsight's 2020, that the, the so the reality of somebody who's depressed is not a real reality. It just feels like it. Which is true. Mm. So you okay. can't tell me how I feel. I yeah. feel this way and it's real, but whether it's an alter reality, that's 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 not important. What's important is that I really thought this was true. You know, like I really, my whole body, and you know, I don't wanna get too detailed, but the molecular structure of my body, all the chemicals flowing through my body, it pointed, everything was agreeing that, man, this is the worst time of my life. You know, I literally feel like weight, like every step I took, literally every step I took was like, I'm, I got cement in my shoes. You know, wow. my shoulders are weighty down. My arms, I already got long arms, you know. Y'all would call me spider when I play basketball. But all of, that, <laughs> <laughs> all of that was just literally heavy. And this dude, you know, very impartial, you know, cold shoulder. You got to the point, me and my wife joke about it now. He, within like five minutes, it was like, um, and it's, you know, very strong, thick accent. This is your fault. You're allowing this to happen. Wow. Oh, bro. <laughs> What? I need you to come all the way down. Okay. Come all the way. This is recorded. I know this thing is recorded. Man, I have I don't curse, man. Man, I come on curse that dude out, man. What? So no. the doctor said yes. this to you. Yes. Yes. That is insane. Yeah, he's acting unusual, man. <laughs> 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 and so, like I said, it's, it's funny now, um, you know, me and my wife, we, we laugh and talk about it, but he literally said those words to me. And, and, and again, he's, he's got truth with it because now that I'm outside from under, underneath his, his grasp and hold on me, it was not necessarily true. Like, you know, I wasn't, you know, my life didn't just fall to shambles. You know what I mean? Like there, there right. was hope there. There was you know, a, a bit of me just narrowly focusing in on the bad, you know, granted it was for a year, but you know, that that's just one, this is one year out of 29 at that point, you know, 28 years, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but of course it was the way he came out, man. That's, that's, yeah. So like I said, that, that comment call was pretty long and the next visit <laughs> I had a new one. <laughs> and so we, we got a great rapport. Um, matter of fact, I talked with him, I talked with him uh, next week, to be honest. Um, right. and that's, don't, that's don't, pretty much don't. almost like a see you, you know, out of the door type of appointment. Um, all right, man, don't, don't session. body slam him. All right. You know what I'm saying? No, nah, he's good, man. <laughs> Dr. Williams, man. He's a good guy, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's a tremendous, um, story testimony, man. Cause you know, that definitely still could have affected you even at the end, you know, or, or not even at the end the beginning, you know, him, talking to you like that could have sent you down a whole nother, you know, spiraling out of control, just thinking, you know, man, this is my fault. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I allowed this it, to happen. Yeah. You know. Like he, he could have, he could have set you up for failure for real. You know? Yeah. It, I mean, I, so I think there's another little subconscious thing. So <clears throat> there was a point where I was, um, I was given the opportunity to review some military suicide cases in the Air Force. Mm -hmm. And so, I, I, you know, it was around the time that I was that reservancy instructor. And so, you know, it, it would have made me, you know, a, a more well-rounded instructor whenever I would do those um, classes in my squadron. 
And so mm-hmm. I did it. And we, that day we reviewed about, um, it was probably like 10, like across the Air Force. And, and a couple were across, you know, different branches, other branches. And so, you know, uh, um, closed off room, you know, no, no media devices, et cetera. And so, you know, th- those thoughts too were, were in, my, in my mind as well. Uh, you meaning that, man, if, you know, if, if I would have not been able to hold on to the little mental stability that I had, man, that was the next best choice, man. Yeah. That was the next best choice. And obviously he couldn't have, there's no way he can. And I give people the benefit of the doubt a whole lot. Grace <laughs> is all over my heart and my mind, but I mean, I'm looking, I'm, I'm trying to find a way to make, to make, make that make sense. Like why did he approach me that way? Mm-hmm. Very first appointment. He just got a couple paragraph briefing on me. You know what I mean? That was emailed to him. I'm sure. Right. And yeah. So, um, yeah, that was that was that was an interesting uh, approach he took. That is, I'm I'm struggling really to wrap my head around that. <laughs> Just that thought of the doctor talking to you that way, um, considering mm-hmm. it's a mental health appointment. Like yes. You know, like that just does not make any sense. Like I can see if this was for like a weight loss consultation or, you know, cigarette smoker. Yeah. Like I could see that, you know, because that's definitely a choice for you to, you know, um, smoke cigarettes, do drugs or, um, you know, gain weight. You know, that's ultimately that's your responsibility to take care of yourself in that instance. Mm-hmm. You know, mental health issues, there's so many different ways and so many different things that affect your mental health that, for one, is not wrapped all into one as your fault. Yes. You know, come on. It's, there's genetics, there's, there's family history. I mean, your, your situation, you know, how you're raised. There's yeah. so many different things that can affect your mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's, that's just really, uh, I know you say he's good now, but that was just really, really unprofessional and almost, um, almost hurtful. You know what I'm saying for for a doctor to to be so irresponsible mm-hmm. um, as a professional um, when it when in regards to your your mental health. That is insane. Yes, but uh, <laughs> but that that's that's insane. Um, remember, guys uh, and or dads and any of my people out here listening to this episode of daddy ain't dead um mental health is important make sure you're taking care of your your folks make sure you're looking out for your strong friend make sure you're also looking out um for different signs of um depression and, and different things people might be going through with their mental health um and then also dads take the time to get rid of the dad bod too. And then you know, I'm speaking to myself, you know, your <laughs> physical health helps your mental health too. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't forget that. And that's, that's a whole nother subject, but you're, you know, exercising, getting out there, moving with your kids, playing with oh, your that, kids. That's a Nate episode right there, huh? Yes. <laughs> I want to be like him when I grow up. You know what I'm saying? Nate, Actually, you know what? So tomorrow I'm going to talk with him because I decided to uh, bulk up, man. Okay. See, so tomorrow I, I'm talk. talking to Nate. I talked to Nate. He got me on the workout plan. Um, he sent to me. So uh, to all the listeners out there, I'm going to have Nate on the show eventually when he's not so busy because 
like all my friends, we do multiple things. And I think he is literally the master of doing multiple things. So oh, yeah, I agree. He, so right now he's in the part of his life where he is a bodybuilder. I think he actually had a show yesterday or today. So good luck to you, Nate. Um, I know you're going to get first place because that's just the kind of man you are. Um, Nate is uh, into physical training and getting his body in shape now. And it is amazing to see the transformation of that man. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to get him um, to get me into shape so I can (laughs) look like him in in the body, you know, from the neck down. You know what I'm saying? The neck down. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) The neck down. I keep my face. Don't worry about my face now. (laughs) Nate, I love you. Late, I love you, man. So if you listen to this, I, I ain't dissing you, man. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, how's <I was> Nate? <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but dads out there, um, take care of your physical health too, um, along with your mental health, uh, because it ultimately helps you, you know, provide for your family in mm-hmm. multiple ways. And um, and so one of the ways I know us as fathers that we provide is financially, right? Mm-hmm. And when we're providing financially, you know, that's a great feeling. There's is always a great feeling, even though it's annoying to pay bills every month. It's a blessing <laughs> to be able to have a job that is um, helping you take care of your family, put a roof over your head, put clothes on your back and put food in our bellies. Um, but I think sometimes dads, families, whatnot, we're not completely, um, what's the word I want to use? We're not completely knowledgeable about how to make some responsible <laughs> uh, choices financially. And I know you have a little bit of history, John, um, with financial literacy. Um, so can we talk about one, what is financial literacy? First of all, for the, for the money dummies like me, um, <laughs> And then also let's, you know, dive into, excuse me, um, how can we dive into how important that is for your families, not just the dads, but the entire family to Mm -hmm. be financially um, literate? Yeah. Okay. So that was actually a good segue there. Uh, I'll give you flowers right now. Now I'll give you one little (laughs) petal, one rose petal on that one. Hey, I'm getting better at this. You know what I'm saying? I'm getting, better. I'm getting better, man. You know? <laughs> uh, so I'll start at the top, man, and real simple, really the definition of the word literacy, um, the ability to read and write. And I will add to that in terms of uh, financially speaking, the ability to read and write and interpret, interpret, um, you know, financial data, you know, financial decision or financial situation. Um, you know, wisdom is knowing what to do that's key, but when to do it is just as powerful. Um, yeah. And so much so that, you know, this, the, the power of being stable, you know, so, so one, let me see on my, in my office here, um, where's my favorite verse? One of them, uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to God, but the things which are revealed to us belong to us. And so when you are exposed to money matters and when you're exposed to even financial terms and definitions and, you know, concepts, et cetera, mm-hmm. it, it, it opens a door. It should open up a gateway. They say readers are leaders. Yeah, that's, you know, kind of mundane or cliche or whatnot. But 
man, when, when I started this journey years and years ago, just picking up books and I mean, like I, I showed a coworker this uh, the other week, I went back to my Amazon account, like books, <laughs> financial books I ordered, you know, 2008, mm-hmm. nine and 10. Um, and you know, I, it's like 12 books a year. Jeez. And so readers, and that's far behind the big boys now. I think Warren Buffett oh. said he reads like 70 a year, um, 50, 50 to 100 pages a day or something like that. I've uh, definitely fallen short. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, so yeah, readers are leaders in that, you know, what I love about, especially uh, uh, books that, uh, have a financial, you know, education piece to it and somebody else's story and journey and, you know, their failures and stuff like that. They put it all in a book and that's the, that's a shortcut. That is a cheat code. Mm-hmm. You know, Warren Buffett got many, many books about his investing philosophy and, you know, what he thinks about it. Uh, Dave mm-hmm. Ramsey got many books, you know, Susie yes. Norman got many books. Um, some of the guys I follow now, prominent black leaders, Dr. Boyce Watkins got many books, man. Mm-hmm. Dr. Claude Anderson got many books and you don't have to go to school. You know what I mean? For the eight years, get a master, doctorate, whatever, in finance, PhD. Cause I think right. Dr. Boyce Watkins, I think he's the only, he was the first black man in America to have a double major, double, um, um, uh, graduate level, uh, PhD rather, I'm sorry, in finance. Jeez. If I don't don't quote me on that, but I, I think I heard him <laughs> say that and read on that. And so it's, it's financial literacy really starts with exposure. Um, something I do right now just to get the plant started in the, um, you know, planting in, in my daughter's mind is, you know, the little cute little piggy banks, you know, they're usually pink where I want it. Not that I'm cheap, but not, uh, I want <laughs> a clear jar. So I got an imp, uh, empty like water jug or something so she can see it rising. She can see right. the pain. She can see the dollars. You know, she can see that stuff. And of course, give her the task. Okay, go put this in your money jar. Um, you know, and, and the vocabulary as well. I started randomly uh, telling her, which it, it sticks every once in a while. Obviously, she's three now, but um, I just started. <laughs> I started randomly telling her uh, to say uh, real estate and to try to hear <laughs> her uh, pronounce that. It's really, really, really cute, man. It's really precious. Uh, but, you know, say real estate, you know, say stocks, say business, say dividends, you know what I mean? Say stock market, you know, right. say economy, you know, little stuff like that. And she remember, uh, you know, it, it expands their vocabulary. And so um, a lot of it has to do with just just pure exposure, man. A conversation like this, um, you know, understanding your taxes in, in particular, this is one note I'm kind of bouncing around here. But uh, while I was in the military, um, one facet that I learned about my state of Louisiana, for which I was a resident in, is that they give uh, uh, the first thirty thousand dollars for if you were active duty military, they will give that. That is tax free in the state of Louisiana. Really, the first thirty thousand. So for ten years, on paper, it looked like I made next to nothing. <laughs> 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 That's a financial decision because of my literacy. Right because of my ability to rewrite and, and, and interpret financial data. Why would, you know, of all the places we lived while I was in the military, why would I like change my residency? That's a financial, like, you know, those are financial decisions we need to make and we right. need to understand them. And we need to be f- so forward thinking, you know, as, as the men and leaders of our house that obviously, you know, this is beneficial for me. This is beneficial yes. for, my, for my family. And, um, 
that really started, actually what really started me <laughs> learning that was I got my first IRS bill. I think it was like 2012 tax year. And the the whole persona of like, like the IRS and you, oh, I owe taxes, you know, this year, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. They're nothing more than a, a bill collector. Right. Um, the, the payment plan I worked out for them, I didn't think it was possible. The people gave me a 12 month billing um, a payment plan in which I can make a payment every two months. <laughs> what? So, yeah. So from that point forward, there's no reason to be afraid of the IRS. And what right. happened was my, my wife, the previous tax year, the previous year, uh, I filed taxes before I got her college uh, tax document, whatever, whatever the form is. And so yeah. when I did that, you know, it you kind of messed up my, what's that? That's it. It's the, it's the document you get for how much interest you pay on your student loans. Yeah. Yeah. And then did you get any scholarships, financial aid? Right. So it was that document that I, I, I forgot about, you know, it was the last thing I was waiting on. And obviously I forgot and I went ahead and filed taxes and, you know, next year I owed, I don't know, $500,000, whatever it was. And so that exposure right there, granted it was bad, but that exposure right there and of, you know, getting that experience of, I can actually talk to, you can talk to the IRS, they're humans, you know, they're not, they're not just kind of garnish your wages and stuff like that. And, you know, once you understand who they are, what they're looking for, I don't care what, what kind of money you make, you know, just provide the documentation. Right. <laughs> How easy is that? There's nothing to be afraid of, nothing to be scared of, nothing to, you know, have this persona like, Oh, big bad. No, no, no. Just, just literacy. Read some. You don't have to read it all, but read some of the IRS code that pertains to you, you know, and interpret it. That's what I did. <laughs> and that's, that's what I need me. to do. Yeah, that propelled me forward right there. That started a whole lot for me. I know I need to do that. Um, I, I owe the IRS a call, too. You know, I ain't going to say for what, but I just do. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I think uh, also when you're speaking about um, people being scared of, you know, bill collectors and stuff, you know, especially for a person like me who has student loans that I will forever be paying for uh, (laughs) for for the rest of my life. You know what I'm saying? The kids might be paying for my student loans, but um, and it it is a super good feeling, one, to uh, pay bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also a good feeling to take care of, like you said, those scary moments, those scary bills, like the IRS, student loans, you know, things that you may be, you know, late on and things like that. It's such a good feeling to catch up on those things. Yeah. Um, do you, do you have any advice for, for dads out there who, who might be, um, struggling to make ends meet? Like, do you think, um, there's a, I don't, I don't think there's a surefire way, but there's a secure way for, for dads out there to become literate, but also um, provide for their families in, in a safe way. Yeah, yeah. Well, first, you got to understand, I love the way my, my pastor here in Savannah, uh, we talk about this because we, we got some similarities uh, in terms of our personality. But, you know, at, at his age, 60 or so, though, he still got to, pretty young spirit and, and, and mine, he's sharp and stuff like that. We, we've conversed actually in detail about, uh, he wanted to learn about uh, cryptocurrency. And, you know, okay. so, you know, we, we've had several conversations about that. Um, and so what, what I like <laughs> how he shares it is that, all right, you know, so let's, let's just look at this thing objectively for a second. All right. So, 
So we got these, you know, needs, you know, monthly needs, you know, food, water, shelter, clothing, et cetera. All right. How do they get paid? Okay. They get paid with money. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, how, how do I best make money? Like, how can I make the most money? And not being afraid of that statement. How, how do I, you, you're going to get paid what you're worth. And if you understand what you bring to the table, then it's, you know, a little bit easier for you to like connect it to uh, that. You, okay. I, I, like I need money and you know, it's not, that's not get so esoteric and spiritual. Uh, nah, you need money. Everything. <laughs> that's not <laughs> right. Yeah. And so a lot of the way my pastor says is like church. Okay. We like, you need money. The church needs money. You need to be financially healthy so that the church can be financially healthy, financially healthy. Um, and so for, for the dads out there who are struggling, like you got to get over, get over the hump and come to the realization that, okay, I might need to take a second job. Mm. And I, I, I might need to, you know, work extra hours. Um, look, as long as you have a plan, because I'll tell you honestly, right now I'm in transition, uh, entrepreneurially mm -hmm. I'm in transition. And so my, me tapping back into my skill set, which I know is valuable, you know, um, I can, I can work a job for six months with a definite plan. Now my the employer don't know that <laughs> but, <laughs> I can, I can have a definite plan that, you know, I'm going to work this job for six months. That's going to be about $10,000. That $10,000 is going to take care of this $2,000 credit card that we got. It's going to put $500 in savings. It's going to take care of, you know, the six months of rent. You know what I mean? Like right. we, we can objectively think about this. You know, have these conversations with people because, you know, if, if, if you talk to a financial advisor, they're going to, or anyone, you know, financial literature that you, that you deem necessary, they're going to give you a, another perspective to think about it. And so for dads out there struggling to make ends meet, you possibly come to the realization is, is, is real possibility and reality that, uh, you know, if, if you're not making ends meet, you got to find another job. Like you got to find another way to make the money and just look at it just simply as that, you know, not a shot at your pride, not a shot at, you know, your manhood. Uh, it's just, I need to, I, I need food on the table. Right. <laughs> you know, I, you know, we, we need these, you need these utilities paid regardless. Um, and so understanding your skill set, you know, where are you valuable at? What do you, and, 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 and this is almost, we, my pastor also too, um, is a good conversation to have a good thought process to have rather of, especially nowadays, man, with like, man, social media is, you know, it's, it's people's lives, literally, uh, this instant gratification is ruining yes. so many uh, dreams is ruining so much potential. And I'm a prime example of that. I'm just going to be frank. I'm a prime example of that myself. I'm in it. I'm immersed in it. And what that, what it'll do is it will make you quit your job before you got enough money in your savings account to, to sustain your family <laughs> because you need to go after your dreams. You need to go after your visions and you know, your goals. Yeah, that's true. But there's a reality that you need to factor in. I'm a numbers guy, probabilities, you know, hey, if it's like 50% of small businesses failed in two years. Have you really wrapped that around your mind? You know, even you yourself, man, you know, you got this podcast going. And if you was to quit doing what you're doing to do this full time, I'm going hey, to check you, man. This, this, ain't, this ain't making uh, uh, objective sense right here, man. 
Hey, like believe that. Me, that is not happening. Okay. <laughs> All right. Until the good Lord blesses me to uh, meet Oprah Winfrey of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> to get the Oprah effect. Yeah. Let's get the Oprah effect going. Get to get, you know, where I'm making more money doing this than I'm mm -hmm. making my real job. Yeah. Then make, but um, you know, I, I got to be smart about it because at the end of the day, I've had many, many passions, and at the end of the day, I stayed working for the Air Force. So, <laughs> you know, um, I, I I know that I can get into various things, but, um, and, and, you know, they always say, you know, jump out on faith and, and whatnot, but I also, also. Got to, I also got to realize, <laughs> yeah. like you said, I need money, yeah. <laughs> you know, I need money. So yeah. I, I can't jump out on faith for me if I don't see a definite um, stream of income, you know. Yeah, I, because I, because the, the so the, the thing is really so so one of my favorite quotes from uh, Dave Ramsey is um, uh, "Discipline today gives you options tomorrow." So mm. bring bring back that instant gratification phenomenon. You know, you see. I guess particularly, particularly in, in the field I'm in, you know, finance and, you know, trading, uh, being a day trader and stuff, you know, there's many guys out there on social media that, uh, you know, only post their wins on the stock mm. market when that could be one of 10, you know, whereas it was other nine other losses that they lost on a certain trade or, you know, certain stock investment or something like that. Um, if we really grasp what delayed gratification would do for you, in the now, in the present, and in the future, it, you know, it's, it's, it's what, so all the big pundits that we see now, they've had similar stories like that, <laughs> particularly Dave Ramsey, got right. rich, you know, in his twenties, you know, I think he was a realtor, um, you know, selling houses and I'm sure he got, you know, switched over to uh, actually investing in, uh, into them, um, you know, recessions happen and bam, he lost it all, bankrupt, you know, seven figures in debt, you know, like the whole nine, then came back much stronger. But is that, that young ambition in our twenties and, you know, just rather not even the age, I'm not even confining to age. It's really the mindset, you know, cause you can be 40 on social media and think of your 20. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, so, so dad's out there, man, if you, if you really, you really can grasp, you know, say you had a job that's one, you know, maybe it's not making all the ends meet right now. Um, you got to put a plan into place. Say, you know, there, there's, there's a, a, a four to six month or even 12 month, you know, one year, three years, you know, whatever it might be, according to your situation, I might have to stay here reluctantly for six months, you know, for, for 12 months, because it's, it's doing, it's getting me 90% there. You know, I can't just quit, you know, to go, you know, go do my, my passion, my dream or whatnot. Um, because I just ain't got my money is not so so something that Dr. Claude Anderson always says is um without money you have no say. If you got mm. money, you got a voice, essentially. And so if you ain't got five plus figures in the savings account, you you really need to think about, you know, leaving the job to pursue, you know, entrepreneur activities. Um and mm. so and, until you get to that point. I mean, it's, it's all about how you respond to it. You know, um, I've been definitely been in, I would guess, super under supervision while in the military that wasn't favorable. I didn't like it. 
I don't like it. Hey, <laughs> I don't like what's happening to me right now in this state. I feel stuck. You know, I don't feel like I'm progressing and, you know, et cetera. But I was, fortunately for me, I was in a contract and I couldn't leave if I wanted to. But, uh, <laughs> you know, come to that realization that, you know, delayed gratification is good for you. You know, you're going to learn a whole lot more under the realm of, of under the direction of a delayed gratification than you would under instant gratification. And <clears throat> so, okay, so I hear that. <laughs> and, and for me, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, especially when it comes to money, I'm, I'm the cheapest of cheapest men out here. Like, <laughs> Jack, <laughs> Jackie hates it. Jack, my wife, <laughs> my wife hates that I'm so freaking cheap. Um, cause I'm all about saving and I'm all about, you know, being, you know, fiscally responsible. Yeah. Uh, but most people will call it cheap. Um, and it's because I grew up poor, you know, mm. so we were always raised on buying things we need, not stuff we wanted. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like me, me and Jackie, we've been married now for seven years and we just bought our first living room set oh like wow. right before we left korea <laughs> like it was time you know, <laughs> which is perfect timing first of all you know we but we made we waited that long because together we made a decision like until until we're ready to spend that much money on one or not one single item but you know one big purchase like that we weren't yeah. going to do it because What's the point of having, you know, a nice sofa, recliner, coffee table, entertainment system and all that when, you know, you, you're barely paying, you know, rent or mortgage or whatever else. And we, we always, always feel like I'm going to live comfortable. I'm going to be comfortable. Now, if I got to be comfortable on these old couches for a couple of years, <laughs> so be it. You know what I'm saying? But I'm never going to risk, you know, stability of my family for for people to when they come over be like oh that's nice you know like that don't bother me <laughs> you know what i'm saying I'll, i always laugh i always say i'm never keeping up with the joneses even though that's my wife's maiden's name you know what i'm saying her maiden name i'm never i'm trying, not trying to keep up with the joneses and um i challenge guys dads out there um you know look at your financial situations always make the best decision for your family not just you mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying um, I always laugh too, and this might be a little off subject. I always laugh too when, um, and I've and I've been victim to this because I, I always want the best for my kids. Is buying my kids, you know, name brand shoes, and it's not the smartest thing to do. Oh yeah, Mr. Shell Toe, that's yeah. right. <laughs> you know, hey, those shoes are cheap. Okay, that's really <laughs> reason I started wearing those. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was the cheapest shoes I could purchase when I was in high school with my little job. And that's literally what started it for me. And most people don't know that story. Most people think I just, now I do love Adidas now because it's just a way of life for me. But that's how it started. It started with my mom saying, all right, yo, you got your little job. You can buy your own school clothes. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I'll say 11th grade, I went buy my own shoes and I saw how much those shoes cost. And I was like, no, sirree. 
Let me see what's the cheapest shoe I can get that I can wear with everything. And it just happened to be the Shell Toe Adidas, the all whites, man. I just. How many, how many th- pairs you got now, man? Ah, I mean. <laughs> you know what? I, I actually, I have been giving them away the last few years. What? I have, man. I've been giving them to, uh, like, I before I left Portugal, I gave a bunch to um, a boy shelter. And then when I left Oklahoma, I did the same thing. I gave it to, a, I actually gave to a, a women's shelter when I left uh, Oklahoma. Um, and then I, I, I didn't give many pairs away when I left Korea, but I did give a bunch of clothes away. But, yeah, I've been giving the shoes away here and there. Um, ones that are, you know, crazy color that I ain't going to really wear, you know. Oh. <laughs> so you didn't feel it then. It wasn't even like a gift. <laughs> nah, it, it just really wasn't, you know. Now, of course, give away some of the the, the all whites or all black that's, you know, kind of older and, and stuff like that. Um, and, and because, you know, I don't, I'm getting older, got the boys, I got my daughter, you know, it's just like I can't be buying shoes like that all the time. Yeah. Now, I have went over to the Nike side a little bit and I've been buying very, very discounted um, LeBron James shoes. <laughs> so I'll be getting the LeBrons when they're uh, like three three shoes removed. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. <laughs> be, be on heavy discount and they're usually some weird color because those be the cheapest ones. Yeah. So um, I just make decisions like that, man. Um, yeah. And you know, some people call me cheap. Some, you know, some people like how I do that um, because they might be the same way. But um, I always, I will always be that way just because how I was raised. Um, but it does feel good sometimes to, to splurge a little bit on the family um, mm-hmm. nowadays. That's, that's that's an emotional decision too. It's like yes. A release. Um, yes. And that that if it don't last too long, now that can get you in trouble. But uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause I remember, man, what the the first bonus I got uh, in the military, me and my wife, I think we we didn't, I didn't budget for like two three months, and we didn't talk about what we were buying. It was like five six weeks. It was into the second month. <laughs> like that's how good it felt to not discuss <laughs> anything about, you know, what's left over. What, you know what I mean? Um, it was just, just swipe, 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 swipe. Right. Felt good so, then, but now, no. How, how do you, what are your thoughts on budgeting? Um, so budgeting. So here's, 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 this is really good. I, I guess it's part of my, my philosophy. Uh, cause my, my passion is his little, the cheap tagline. Um, my desire is to, uh, bring you out of financial and investing ignorance. Um, mm-hmm. and so my thoughts on budgeting. So I start at the top, right? So Apple was the first company in the history of the world to be worth a trillion dollars, right? Okay. So now I think, how did they get to that point? Did they have a budget or did they not have a budget? (laughs) (laughs) That's a fair question. That is a fair question. Hey, and then Apple does it. And when Apple does it, they do it. So Apple still on record, they got they're they're the only company with uh over two hundred billion dollars in cash just Jesus. sitting in accounts across just scattered across the world, of course. I need to become and friends so, with some Apple. 
I know, right? Man, they 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 do it, man. You know, they got the loyal following brand and marketing, and right? Et cetera, et cetera. So, okay, so I'm I'm still trying to build up to that question, right? So, so I, I'm asking myself that, right? And then I also ask myself if 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 I was so 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 would I hire me to manage my money if I had that option? Mm. No, emphatically mm. no. Mm -hmm. So, so I would need to learn about budgeting from somebody who knows how to do it. And so, if I know that I'm not, you know, me in like my natural state, pretty much is what I'm trying to get to. My natural mm -hmm. state is, you know, free spender or you know, not really understanding the consequence of our dollar. Because when I when I so when I learned this, this was several years ago, but when I learned this, that um, you know, your dollars. So every purchase that you make, let's say, you know, you bought a, a pair of uh, the LeBrons or something like that, and it was a hundred bucks. And let's say, you know, the job you work at is, you know, $20 an hour job that you got. Well, you just exchange five hours of your life for a pair of shoes. So mm. when I, when that, when that reality and I like really was chewing on that and I finally like clicked on me, oh, okay, I might need to rethink the purchases I do on a daily basis, weekly basis, <laughs> because I'm exchanging precious with, you know, invaluable that's going to be obsolete next year. Wow. So my, my time, I, I, then I understand, you know, the, the, the power of money in that, you know, w once you have it, you have time. And that connection of time and money, it, it, it's like a light bulb went off. Like I understood that connection. You know, when you, when you don't have money, you don't have time because you're working for money. And when you do have money, you do have time because you have a lot of money. <laughs> oh my God. And so, um, and so actually back to my boy, um, uh, Dr. Boris Watkins, uh, one of his things that stuck out to me too, actually I didn't make this connection, but one of the things that stuck out to me, I love when he says this, um, every black person should have some F you money. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have some F you money. <laughs> <laughs> just stashed away uh, for, you know, for whatever, a rainy day situation. You want to go look at your account. Ah, I feel much better now. I got five figures in the permanent savings account. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, you got four, you know, whatever it might be, you know, the, your boss or, you know, back to uh, you asked about what dads can do, you know, if their ends are in, in, uh, they're not meeting their ends right now. If we got that you know, X amount of money saved up, then you can say, all right, now it's time for me to go pursue what I really want to do in life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, when I made that connection, back to that point, when I made that connection that, you know, time is like really money, I need to be way more conscious of my, of my decision making. So I laughed it off, what, like two, three minutes ago when I, when I was talking about the first bonus I received, you know, me and my wife didn't have a budget or whatever. That was probably the dumbest thing I've ever done with money. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I got zero to show for. I mean, we got some pictures, you know, whatever, you know, the wife wanted to buy like house stuff and, you know, clothes and all that. But, you know, we, ain't, we can't even fit the clothes we did buy, let alone they were out of style. 2009. Can you just think, just listen to the music. You know, you, you got, you know, you got a musical ear too. You're musically inclined. Look at yes. the, the, the beats from 2009. Who was on top? Who was on the charts then? What, T.I. Uh, King was that album on top? T.I. And, and, and folks like that. Nelly. Yeah. Uh, like, man, know. come on. 
Yeah. Whereas if I could have, you know, coming off the back of a recession at that time period, man, I could have put that money away and it'd be worth three times as much now, literally three times as man. much. Easy. Easy. And that's just putting my money in the market and like literally not looking at it. Now, I don't need to read an investing book. I don't need to sound fluent. I don't even need to be literally. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm taking that, take that tongue in cheek now, but uh, yeah. you know, if you just buy a, like a, just a market um, um, following a mutual fund, you know, if you did that back in 2009 at the bottom of the recession, man, you'd be up three times your money. Whatever you put in, you'd be up three, four times right now. Easy. So um, offline, I'm going to be talking to you about this. <laughs> <laughs> because, because yeah i'm not afraid to admit that i am clueless when it comes to things like that i'm, I'm flabbergasted yes i am i have been led astray I'll just led astray. <laughs> you know i like like my man haha david say what a bummer yeah just, what a <laughs> i do not know nothing about no money except when them deposits hit every two weeks from the job <laughs> that's about it, you know. Uh, well, I, I know what 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 made that a, a reality for me, and like a, like a prominent um, a decision, you know, to, to put my money in the market was when I realized that. So I, you know, I touched on on Apple, and you know, even even in school and stuff like that, you know, with my degree and whatnot, um, that's usually a company that I, that I favor, and a lot of the examples actually are, uh, they use uh, Apple. Uh, just a great, perfect, great ran company, man. Very, they manage, you know, very great. And so um, when I realized that Apple can only get to a trillion dollars in net worth, the first company in history, you know, et cetera, when I buy the iPhones. <laughs> <laughs> Walmart is who they are because we go five times a week. Right. You, it go, I mean, you could go down to Amazon. Amazon was mm -hmm. the second company in the history of the world to be worth a trillion dollars. They are the way they are. What I said, what I said early in the, in the uh, an hour ago, when I looked at my 2007, 2008, um, or Amazon orders, it's like $3,000 a year. <laughs> Woo. But, Man, and so, yeah, and so the connection was, I know, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the connection was these companies are excelling at, at my despise because I don't have mm. no ownership in that. I just contributed. Like I'm, I'm, yeah, you, you guys say you should give. I've been giving. I've been giving for a long time. <laughs> Mama's been giving. Every, all team's been giving. The whole friends, family, everybody give. And right. we're getting that in exchange uh, because of that, you know, obviously literacy there. But you got to make it personal, man. You got you to make it real, you know, in your, in your mind. You got to attach it, you know, in, in, in a way that, makes it real to you because it was real to me it's not gonna be real to you and it will compel you um you know it's gonna compel you forward how you uh, uh you know receive that insight and you know because so so i have to and one of my one of my business mentors taught me this a long time ago in the context of trying to sell something or you know just trying to get your uh, a point across or something like that is that i got to get you to see what i saw mm. That is one of the primary goals of a teacher, educator, you know, what, you know, salesman, whatever you want to call it. I got to get you to see what I saw. And so I can only do that, you know, once I've made a, a certain reality real, it is cemented in my mind. Apple mm -hmm. is going to pay me, you know, some way, shape, form, fashion. 
when I make that purchase, uh, you know, every month, I'm going to get a piece of Verizon stock. You know what I mean? Like, you got to make yeah. that real. That's a reality there. And, you know, uh -huh. connections like that start with conversations like this. Yes. Because I'm t definitely going to be um, getting more connected with you on this. <laughs> for I got I to show you the text. Uh, so I, I'm sure Nate didn't make this connection. Hey, man, Nate, you know we love you, man, like a brother. But so I, I felt compelled that I gave you a piece of me. You give me a piece of you. So tomorrow we're going to be talking about fitness. Last week we are talking about investing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what it is give and take man you know it yes, always starts with a conversation he's about to educate crap out of me and you know vice versa i hope i love it i mean and and that's also a great point too to jump off the the financial um conversation is that us as men this is why i'm doing this is to allow us the opportunity to converse with each other laugh be vulnerable um, and, and get into these different conversations that a lot of times we really don't get to talk about um, in the, and I guess in the spectrum or the form like this mm -hmm. and able to <clears throat> listen to different um, dads' points of view, different men's points of view on certain subjects that I know a lot of us want to hear about. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, yeah. and a lot of times, like, again, Every time I talk to a dad about the show or the dad comes on, they always praise me for the, for the give me my flowers line. Now I didn't invent that line. I didn't invent it. I, I've, I've always heard that saying about, you know, getting flowers when you pass away. And I just thought, you know, give me my flowers is something you need to have mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> happen to you before you die. And my own personal experience with that stemmed way back a few years ago when my grandmother passed away that okay. I was able to give her her flowers before she passed away personally when, when she was going through her, her fight with pancreatic cancer. <clears throat> and I was able to literally look her in the eyes, tell her I love you and what she meant to me and wow. my development as a man and, you know, everything. I did the same thing with my grandfather before they passed away as I was able to have those opportunities to tell them, to give them their flowers. Mm -hmm. And they were able to take that with them to heaven. You get what I'm yeah. saying? Instead of at their funerals where I'm reading off maybe a piece of paper or, and they don't truly get to hear it. Um, yeah. And I also say, give me my flowers because I tell Jack all the time. My love language is words that I forgot what it's called, but it's, uh, but What's it's not. Yes, it words of affirmation. And <clears throat> that's my love language. And so it also stems from that being my love language. So it's a little bit of selfishness in me <laughs> saying, <laughs> give me my flowers. Um, but it's also um, really a, a call for, for all men to do it for each other and do it for all the people around you, but also the people who care and love you, your family, your kids, your spouse, other family members, to do the same to you because it means so much to us as men, mm -hmm. our mental health, um, to, to give us our flowers. Like I, I will preach this <laughs> until the day I die because I am going to, I know when, 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 when God calls me to come to heaven that I will be blessed with my family and friends 
telling me how great I am or how bad they think I am. <laughs> but give me, give um, me one, give me one of them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, I'm going to know that when I go to my, when I go to my grave, you know? And so that's really why, um, just a little, I guess, information for everybody out there listening. Give me my flowers is based really on that. Um, but because we've talked about such serious topics yeah. <laughs> going uh, on here, we're going to get to the dad jokes. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> you know, we, we need some sound effects there. You know what I'm saying? We need some, some good sound effects there. It's always <laughs> we need some better sound effects. John. Oh, better. better! Oh, you know I'm a beatboxer, right? Anytime. Oh God! Oh my! Oh my God! Please! How no. could I forget? I pay homage no. to we, we uh, definitely forgot. Key. Oh, oh man! Please. Oh man! Okay. Listen, I want to keep bring me back show. on for special hidden talents, man. <laughs> Listen, we've had this discussion for years now, okay, John? <laughs> See, this is where Nate definitely needs to be on this episode. <laughs> you guys don't, you guys don't, you don't have like an abstract mind. You know, artists out there, people who really understand art and, you know, what it takes to create it. Man, you, you, gotta, you gotta connect with me there, man. We gotta find a base and a foundation. <laughs> Listen, everybody who's going to listen to this episode, <laughs> I am not going to allow John to beatbox on this show. Okay. Well, I'll just I'll just let my subscribers do it for me then. They gonna... <laughs> what Beyonce got the beehive? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna let, I'm gonna build my following up, and we just gonna make it do what it do. Oh my God! <laughs> listen, guys. John, since I've known him, we, we've he's had this thing that he thinks he's this like DJ Dougie Fresh style beatboxer. He's not. Okay, <laughs> I love you, John. You're very you my good. flowers, man. <laughs> you are great at many things, my brother. Many, many things. One of them is not beatboxing. Okay. DJ Marquise, man. I got I pay homage to him, man. Every time I tap <laughs> I step in the studio, man. <laughs> That's funny. See, this, no, I'm not even gonna go there with you. Y'all, you know what? I might one day, another time, not today. I might not let you, I want people to hear this beatboxing and I want them to be the judge. Of yeah, yeah, we just get with my publicist, man. You know, we can we can find <laughs> Might be doing like a charity event or something like that, you know. You know what? Between I don't know who's more delusional, you or your your spouse, when it comes to your vocal talents. That is definitely true, right there. <laughs> I've had many discussions with your wife that when we was in true. school together, all of us about her and her thinking she could be on American Idol singing. <laughs> I love Nisha, but she be tripping. That is true. <laughs> My talent and her talent are different, I would say. You that. with the beatbox and her with the singer, I love y'all, but I tell her all the time, she is a phenomenal poet. Phenomenal. Yes, yes plug. Nisha the poet. 
Yes, Nisha the Poet. Y'all go check her out on social media. She is phenomenal at poetry. I, and that's me being as general as possible, using the word phenomenal, because it's, it's more than that. She is definitely blessed um, from God with the talent to put words together yes. in poetic way and the delivery of it. She's literally like a different person when she's doing poetry. Yeah, like, tap in, man. She's she in. is. She is blessed with that talent. But singing? Nah. <laughs> nah. Love you, Nisha, but nah. Yeah, that ain't it. That ain't it. And, you know what? I've told her this to her face, so there's no shade here. You know, what I know. <laughs> in her face, like in her face. Said this to her face. Okay, so there's no shade. No, no shade at all. Um, that's the type of friend I am. I will always tell you the real deal <laughs> to your face, even if it's mean. You know, I've I've been called mean before, but yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. so, so get to the dad jokes. You ready okay. for this? Are you ready? Yes, yes. You you going first or me or what? You go first. I always let the guests go first. All right. So I'm gonna start with a little little simple, lighthearted, you know, a little warm up, pretty much. So, <laughs> um, or this one, let's see. So I need a little response from you. It's one of those the simple jokes. Oh Lord. Uh, why do phones ring? Um, I don't know why. Because they can't speak. Duh. I thought you said bad dad jokes. Oh, I spelled that wrong. It's <laughs> oh, Listen. come on, spell check. Goodness, <laughs> is that from your iPhone? <laughs> no, that's Microsoft Word. Did me that. Speaking of Microsoft <laughs> Word, they're the third company to reach a trillion dollars. Oh, wow. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're not no, dropping no info in the dad joke section. Now, um, so my, my other joke, I, I've been saying, I literally been saying this one for years. Um, wait, wait, it's my turn, man. Oh, one for one. Okay. One for one, make, man. Come make on. Him take him out. <laughs> make him take All right. What do zombie, oh, oh, I'm looking, I'm saying my joke all wrong too. I'm messing with like you. What do vegan zombies eat? Uh, do you know? Grains. Grains. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay. I got you. Okay. I got okay. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Don't think nah, too hard, man. <laughs> leave the critical thinking. Look, leave the cognitive thinking alone, okay? I know, right? <laughs> Remember Blocus? Cognitive. Yeah, no, Blocus. <laughs> Everybody out there, look, there's a game called Blocus. For Blocus. Okay, US. It's the best game in the world, but we found out it takes a lot yeah, of about cognitive. that cognitive thinking life. <laughs> <laughs> it's the greatest game ever. It's like Tetris, but harder. But anyway, what's your next joke? So the next one, uh, I steal it. Uh, it comes from Sinbad, and uh, okay. it's it's like I said, a long time ago. I, mean, I was a teenager, maybe preteen, when he was in his heyday. But I remember watching a stand up. Um, and he said this joke, and you know, like I said, I never forget it. So I usually always say it. So he said, um, you know, so you know, growing up, him growing up, um, he, you know, he was tall. He's tall now. So at, in high school, um, he was tall, and he went out to try out for the basketball team, and you know, went to the tryouts, and he didn't make it. Right, so he got cut. And so of course he's sad. You know, he's distraught. 
uh, you know, big, tall, black kid, supposed to play basketball, and he ended up getting cut. So he sat, you know, walking home from school, and the first person that he wanted to tell was his dad because he's thinking his dad is going to lift him up, you know, going to encourage him, you know, maybe, you know, help him refine his skills and practice, et cetera. So, you know, he, he ended up um, going to his dad, and he said, um, he said, Dad, you know, they, they cut me. They cut me from the team. And his dad put his arm around his shoulder, and he looked him in the eyes, and he said, son, they cut you because they want to win. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> now, actually, I think that's a joke for you now that I'm thinking about it, for you to tell your sons, they cut you because you ain't getting enough, son. They want to win. Did they get First of all, that's cold as ice. As long as that's the it, truth. <laughs> that's so messed up. Oh man, I'll never forget that son. They cut you because they want to win. <laughs> that's all messed right, man, up, what man. You got, man. All right, this is probably an old school one that everybody's probably heard, but I don't care because I giggled at it. Um, what do you call cheese that is not yours? Nachos. <laughs> nacho cheese <laughs> yeah that's a good one I remember that one um, my, my next one my next one is uh, okay let me see if you scroll up okay so <clears throat> the next one was um, there was uh, two old men walking on a trail in the woods when they spot a bear so they both freeze and you know they're startled, startled. Uh, one begins to uh, pray immediately begins to pray and the other one starts tightening his boots the first old man says what are you doing you can't outrun a bear the second old man says i know i can't outrun a bear i just gotta outrun you <laughs> <laughs> cold blooded <laughs> that is true that is true only gotta outrun you yeah old like, man all right, my last joke. What? Oh, so I'm going to give some uh, a pretense to this. You know Super Mario Brothers? You know Mario and Luigi, right? Yeah. Okay, so just make sure you wrap your head around that. Okay? <clears throat> so what are Super Mario's pants made from? The, denim, denim, denim. Oh, my God. Denim, denim, denim. <laughs> Oh my God! Thank you, <laughs> folks. That is all. And we'll be here all night. <laughs> we'll be here all night with the greatest dad jokes on earth. <laughs> but we're gonna do something. Right. So, just to explain to everybody, I am recording with Mr. John Rogers, um, Mr. Extraordinaire, and we're on Instagram Live. And I'm going to do a segment called Yes or No. New segment for everybody listening in. <clears throat> I'm going to ask John five random questions. He can only answer yes or no. No elaborating, man. Okay? <laughs> what's okay. up, Maurice? You know, I got my cousin Maurice in here. Hey, what's going on, man? Um, listen. Are you ready for these questions? Yeah, as ready okay. as I ever be. <laughs> All right. So, do you want more kids? Yes. Lodges, Portugal, right? That's where we met. Mm -hmm. 
Was Lodges Portugal a better base assignment than any of your U.S. assignments? Hands down, yes. All right. Are you the best dressed person in your house? No. <laughs> okay. I got to yield to that one. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. Oh, no, no elaboration. I'm sorry. No, no, uh-uh, no, 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 no. No elaborating right now. That might be your question. I got two more. I got two more. The Saints, that's your favorite football team, right? NFL. Oh, yeah. Okay. Boo. Go Bucks, first of all. Go um, check that record. And this, this hurt me to even ask this question because I don't want this to happen. But the Saints, they're in the Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody gave you front row 50-yard line seats, right? Yeah. You said you wanted more kids. Yep. So she's currently pregnant at the same time. Okay. Her water broke. She's in labor. Same time Super Bowl. Are you going to the Super Bowl? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. We gonna come that back. would be my elaboration question right there. I wrote that one. <laughs> okay. Okay. What was I say? Last question. This is, um, this is a personal, near, dear question um, to your heart and mine. We're gamers, right? We 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 dabbled in Madden. Have we? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> last question. Can okay. you be in Madden? Can I? Yeah. John, you I'm Jordan sure. time now. I'll be honest now. <laughs> <laughs> now. I'm gonna let you elaborate on one of your questions. Uh, so the Super Bowl, pregnant wife, water broke. It's not, and see, I'm, I'm technical because you didn't say it was active labor. Ah, <laughs> no, no, don't give me that. Don't, don't, don't give me none of this active Because labor. the football game is three hours. Right. right. And if it's not active labor, just probabilities, you know, going out the first pregnancy, Typical woman. I, I I can finish the game and then hightail over to the hospital. <laughs> that's first. That's first. A little elaboration. Second one is um, okay. she. Uh, so she's random. So the type of thinker she is. She's a random abstract thinker. Okay. Uh, free spirited. Um, go with the flow. Let's water roll down her back. You know, like a duck. So within a reasonable amount of time, whatever disappointment she had will fade away. <laughs> so there we go. Yeah, so you think she will understand that? Uh, whenever she gets around to this, this uh, podcast. Listen. We'll <laughs> Listen, y'all. Look, the show's called "Daddy Ain't Dead," but that you're gonna be dead. You you go to the Super Bowl, <laughs> you don't go to the hospital. <laughs> there's technology. There's 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 video. <laughs> yep. 
And there's also funeral homes <laughs> and graves. <laughs> You're gonna be anyone. All right. Yeah, I'm I'm playing I'm playing probabilities here for the reasons I name. <laughs> this ain't the time for no cognitive thinking. <laughs> no, no, none of that. You you got a choice to make. That's it. That's it. Well I'm, uh, I'm sticking I'm sticking with the probabilities, man. <laughs> You still gonna go there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, well, it's gonna be probable that your behind gonna be hurting afterwards. <laughs> but uh, thanks for the few people that that came on to um, look at this uh, special portion of that ain't that episode. Um, it's called Yes or No with John Rogers. <clears throat> We're gonna sign off now. Finish the episode. And that way we can, you know, close out the episode on a good note. This was a a great trial run. Thanks for the idea, man. So we're going to log off here and then we're going to continue recording the episode. All right. All right. Thank you, Instagram family. Peace. So just in closing, man, uh, before we close the episode, um, this is an opportunity at the end to give out some flowers. Um, Is there a piece of advice, a fatherhood tip or something that helps you be a great dad? Or um, you can take this opportunity to give your dad or someone specific um, flowers. Yeah. Um, so when I'm, so I'm, I'm still a new dad. You know, I, I pretty much only been at it at this job and this role. You know, for for three years going on four. And so uh, one thing I know is really unique that I've uh, experienced is, uh, of course, being what you know said this earlier, but being present in the kids' lives. And I, I like the idea, some part, not, not fully, of course, not majority of the time, but I like the, the concept and idea of being the only dad at certain events, right? Mm. So, so, I, so I got out of the military in 2016 and, you know, you know, I was trading. So, I, you know, I was did entrepreneurial life, had an Amazon business and, uh, you know, some other things to where, you know, I was free. You know, I, 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 had, I bought my time back and, you know, I was... Even, you know, even my child's first uh, daycare, um, her first, let me see, I think it was like a, a um, Thanksgiving lunch or something like that. I was the only dad. Christmas, only dad. You know, I was the one my wife had to work for Christmas week. You know, it was me bringing her, the kid, you know, to her jobs, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Christmas dinner. You know, so just that, that little facet, even, you know, present day here, um, couple of times where, you know, she wasn't feeling good, you know, before noon here, I got, you know, I still got my basketball shorts on, you know, cause you know, things I was doing and stuff, you know, allowed me to be free work from home. Um, I was the only dad there. Uh, there was the first within like first two months at the Montessori she's at now, um, there was some kind of like fall kickoff or something like that. And I was, you know, again, I was the only dad. So, for me, that that is like, you know, like a, a chip and, and, you know, like a, a kudos to me, you know, yeah. for being being present in their, in the their, in their kid's life. So uh, be present in their lives as much as possible. Be immersed, uh, especially at the real young age, man. You know, it's really imaginative right now. And, you yes. know, once you submerge yourself in that world, it's actually kind of fun. You forget, you know, you're an adult. You know what I mean? Sure. Right. <laughs> um, Schedule it if you have to, if you got, you know, shift work or, you know, a pretty intense schedule, um, you know, schedule that time, you know, to be present in their lives and, you know, uh, learn about them. You know, if they're young enough, 
um, you, you usually got to just put in the time, man. You just got to put in the sweat equity so you can study them. And, you know, mm-hmm. that is perhaps one way that you could, you know, learn them because personal experience here. And, of course, when it gets older, I'm one to dabble just to get a little inclination on, you know, certain things like a personality test, you know, on, you know, adolescents and, you know, preteens, teens and stuff like that. So uh, be present in their lives, you know, schedule it if you have to. Uh, be deliberate and you know if you like anything like me um, find some kind of joy or uh, in being the only dad at certain you know kid events love it I love it that's that's a great um, piece of advice piece of advice um, to give out even if um, that's going to make when you say that message that's going to make more dads get out there so you won't be which is good you know, at the end of the day, that's the ultimate goal. Uh, but thank you, John, for coming on the episode. I'm going to close this episode of Daddy Ain't Dead podcast uh, where we talked about mental health, um, financial literacy. Of course, we got the dad jokes in um, and, and we've spoken of many other things. But um, thanks again, man, for coming on. Is there any um, you want to share your social media uh, info for the listeners so they can follow you on, um, you know, any of your social media sites? Yeah, uh, Instagram for sure. That's the one that's um, I'm most more active on. Uh, it'll be uh, Mister uh, Underscore Extraordinaire, and um, I just spell it without the e. So Mister Underscore X, you know, drop the e. Mister Extraordinaire dot com. Uh, dot com. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Mister Extraordinaire at Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So. Uh, Again, follow him, guys, on uh, Mr. Extraordinaire on Instagram um, to to get those uh, little bits and pieces of what you got in uh, in this episode of Dead Ain't Dead podcast. Um, also, you can check out the Dead Ain't Dead podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Podbean, Pocket Cast, Anchor, Stitcher, um, Radio Republic, or I'm sorry, Radio Public. Breaker and Castbox, so we're on now and Overcast. We're on twelve different platforms, trying nice. to get more. Um, so check us out, Dead Ain't Dead podcast. Making sure you're giving the flowers to your dads out there, and we're going to sign off. Dead Ain't Dead podcast with John Rogers, Mister Extraordinaire. Give me my flowers. Thank you. Thank you for checking out the latest episode of the Daddy Ain't Dead podcast. But now I need you to go check out that Daddy Ain't Dead merchandise that I got on tpublic.com. Search for the Daddy Ain't Dead podcast and you'll see those bright yellow shirts that is just waiting for you to cop for your dad or for yourself. Make sure you go cop some of that merchandise from the Daddy Ain't Dead podcast. We got things for men, women, kids, infants everybody so go cop that daddy ain't dead merchandise make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend that ain't dead podcast give me my flowers <laughs>